Well, hello there. How are we? Welcome back to Here's Looking at You Film, a podcast for the vintage cinephile with modern sensibilities. I'm your host, Nikki, and right up top, I'm going to tell you that this episode is going to be explicit. Uh, this is for the grown-ups, the big peeps. If you can't tell from the title, uh, I don't know how else to drop it on you, uh, but in talking about vintage film, I think it's important to talk about how all forms of cinema have affected the way that we watch movies today. In 1969, giggity, we entered an era where adult film could be a conversation over drinks and sex on film had to come with a script and a story. These films affect how much nudity and sex is considered respectable in a film now. Today, we'll be discussing the golden age of porn and specifically the devil in Miss Jones. So porn started as something called stag films. You may have heard of stag parties where a bunch of guys get together and just kind of bro out. Well, these films were in similar occasions and allowed for that, but in a sexual way. They would do underground screenings of these silent graphic films and the guys would hoot, holler, make sexual jokes. And the point of view of these films was always male and never showed the actual orgasm, just the act of the sex itself. There was certainly no focus on female satisfaction, but it's always made clear that it's a consensual encounter and it didn't really focus on anyone's satisfaction for that matter. It was just about the sex happening. However, producing or distributing was definitely a crime. Amateur filmmakers would make these films and process the films in their bathtubs for distribution and they'd be shown at brothels or smokehouses. Another name for these stag films was often called blue films um, because a lot of times because of the way they would process in the bathtub, sometimes they would show up in blue. So these were called blue films. Over the years, this continued into the 60s when, as we talked about in the Motion Picture Production Code episode a couple episodes back, we started to see censorship laws loosen way up because, you know, they had those really tight censorship laws. Uh, even kissing on film was a no-no for a long time. And the kissing that started to happen on film was very short-lived. So, you know, that sex was not allowed. Once things started to loosen up in the late 50s and early 60s, we started to see a little bit more, and they started to feature some light nudity and soft sexual scenes in some feature films, and it was only a matter of time until we get some actual sex featured. Enter Andy Warhol. You may be familiar. Now, in 1969, he wrote, produced, and directed a film called Blue Movie, the name for stag films, um, but the movie is also known as simply Fuck. Um, out of the full 140-minute feature film, only 10 minutes was actual sex, but because the sex is unsimulated, meaning actual sex happening, not, you know, fake grinding on each other with a pad on or whatever, it's classified as pornography. However, this is a Warhol film and inspired much conversation and interest. This ushered in the golden age of porn and introduced us to a new phrase, porno chic. This referred to the phenomenon of celebrities publicly discussing porn and critics offering honest reviews as some of these films sought to be considered serious works. 
Now, in 1972, we got one of the headliners of the Golden Age, Deep Throat, advertised under just the name Throat. Now, this film, if you have not heard of it, uh, the general premise of the film is uh, a girl who has never felt herself sexually satisfied comes to find out that her clitoris is in the back of her throat. Um, she falls in love with the doctor that discovers this and the doctor can't marry her, but he decides that they can figure out a way to get her married to someone who will be able to satisfy her. So obviously she has to find a man who can hit the back of her throat. Um, so the, that's the premise of the film. Um, it had a plot, it had a climax, no pun intended, and a recognizable star, Linda Lovelace. Now, of course, this is a stage name, as a lot of stars had stage names because, um, and we'll talk about this later, but um, doing porn usually was a way to try to get into film to make money um, until you could get into actual film, but doing porn would kind of blacklist you from uh, the industry if you used your real name. So you'd want to use a stage name. Um, so that maybe you could continue on to do some feature films later on. Now, I was originally going to talk about Deep Throat as our film today, but there's a little bit of controversy over what may have happened to and with Miss Lovelace on set. So I don't want to give a play-by-play -play of something that may have been traumatizing for her, but um, the film was talked about by the likes of Johnny Carson and Bob Hope, so people were definitely interested at the time. Um, she originally uh, said that, you know, everything was completely consensual, but later on came out to say that there was some abuse that happened on set. Um, However, this wasn't um, something that happened on every porn set, but this was her specific story. Um, it showed at the World Theater in New York, and people went to see it. Now, Deep Throat's director, Gerard Damiano, after this, the general success of this film, decided to take another shot at filmmaking, deriving a story from the 1944 play No Exit by Sartre. Um, it's bizarre, but it's often regarded as literally one of the best pornographic films ever made. The star, Georgina Spelvin, which is also a stage name um, and is a play on uh, George Spelvin, which is the name that's generally given to, it's basically like a no name, like an everyman name um, used in plays. Uh, they often use the name George Spellman, so she, Spelvin, so she took on the name Georgina Spelvin. Um, but Georgina Spelvin also did craft services and cooking on the set of this film. Her lover, who was also doing craft services on set, ended up doing a scene with her because they asked her if she wanted to. So it was just kind of whatever, but, you know, it was still a scripted film, a semi-scripted film. The tagline for this film was, if you have to go to hell, go for a reason, and you will see why. So um, our actors in the film uh, are Georgina Spelvin as Justine Jones, John Clemens as Abaca. Uh, Harry Reams as the teacher, Mark Stevens as uh, the second guy, Rick Livermore as the third guy, uh, Judith, uh, Claire Lumiere is the first girl with Justine, who is also her lover, um, 
Sue Flaken is the second girl with Justine. And the director, Gerard Damiano, is uh, actually the man at the end of the film that we will talk about. So um, we have, uh, you can see most of these people don't have names. Um, we barely find out Justine Jones's name. We find out Abaca's name. We find out the teacher because they have a short conversation. But everyone else, they kind of just pop up in the film. There's very little conversation. But the film itself is the reason that they are having sex. The plot of the film carries the film. And we will talk about that very shortly because now that we have our players, let's play. <laughs> Now, I want to remind you, I'm going to be talking about a pornographic film, so I am going to be saying very graphic things, and I'm going to be referring to sex a lot. If that makes you uncomfortable, this may not be the best episode, but also, you know how we do. It's going to be fun. So, I mean, sit back and just have fun so you don't have to go and find this movie and watch it. I will make sure I make it as entertaining as possible for a porn film, you know. So our film starts on an unsettling close-up of a woman who is quite pale, chapped lips, and frantic. She is begging for someone who we, an unseen party at this point, to touch her so she can get off. Just put your cock in me. I can't do it by myself. Please touch me. And look, I need you to understand, as as sexy as this dialogue sounds, like her face is sweaty, her lips are like white, chapped over, her eyes are manic, the close-up on her face, it's not all that hot unless you're into that kind of thing. Like, if you've ever seen Requiem for a Dream, like Linda Goldfarb tease, like when she's like, I'm going to be on television, like, and then get the close-up on her face, like that kind of thing, that's kind of what we're looking at. So we finally see sitting across from her, a guy sitting on the floor, completely disinterested. She's pleading, making frantic bargains about licking his cock and licking his asshole. And she is feverishly playing with herself, but she may as well be giving him the weekly weather report because he tells her to, shh, just, just close your eyes. You'll see. He's here. He'll come out. She just needs him to help her get off. But damn you, he just won't. Cut to black and our title sequence begins. Pierre Productions presents The Devil in Miss Jones. There's some weird looking tarot kind of cards during the title sequence, all very ominous. Um, we fade into a busy street full of cars. Looking out, we enter the apartment of Justine Jones, looking out onto the busy city below. She closes the blinds slowly, walking to her mirror and taking off her robe to reveal her naked body. Very slow and solemn piano music is the soundtrack to this scene. It's not seductive. She applies skin cream to her face and gestures her hands around the shape of her breast not like in a sexy way, and she doesn't even really touch them, but almost as if to measure them, you know? She slowly turns off all the lights in the apartment, making her way towards the bathroom. She runs a bath, emptying the contents of 
uh, a bubble bath container in the tub. I think it's like some smell good oils. Before stepping in, she grabs a razor from the medicine cabinet. Laying in the warmth of the tub, she looks to the razor as a song plays in the background about not being able to wait one more day. She takes the blade out of the razor and slits her wrists. Lying in the tub, letting the water do its thing, she dies. The camera pulls out of the bathroom as the music swells while she stares lifelessly at the wall. We cut to the next scene, a beautiful corridor with a brightly lit courtyard outside. A man, Abaka, sits at a desk and asks Justine to sit down. She's come in wearing a very matronly dress. She looks plain, unassuming. He asks if she knows why she's there. She says she knows it's for a job, but she's not quite clear. And after talking in circles and making her a little bit nervous because she's not quite sure what's happening, he comes out with it. First of all, he has to tell her that she's dead and also tells her that she was set to go to heaven. All her paperwork was set, but apparently, even though she was completely good in her life, unaliving herself kind of eliminated that option for her going to heaven, you know, but she hasn't done anything to deserve hell. And that's not really fair. And she hasn't even had sex. She's literally still a virgin, but you know, she now she has to go through an eternity of hell because she has no other choice. There's no other place for her to go. But she feels like if she knew that she was going to have to go through an eternity of hell just for killing herself, she would go back and live a life filled with lust, consumed by lust. So she can't go back and relive her life, of course, duh. But Abaka decides to let her have a moment just for a little bit to go get her lust on, you know? And she's actually hype. But he says once he feels like she's had enough, he's going to call her on back. And um, then off to hell, she's going to have to go. But out she goes. First, she appears in front of a door. It has a lot of symbols on it. It almost looks like, um, like an ancient ruin kind of place. But upon opening the door... It's like a library or like an, an office, a, you know, a 70s kind of office. And she finds a man sitting in a yellow robe. Her clothing has also changed. She's in a long white robe gown, almost like a marital nightgown, you know. And she tells the man that she's lost, but he tells her she's not. He's the teacher. And he's there to help her let go of her inhibitions. He has the like pensive triangle finger hands up like he's like super superior looking at her over his fingers and he speaks to her very sternly. Um, he's giving like Ron Burgundy mixed with Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if you can picture what that's like, but I mean, that sounds very 70s to me, but like that's what he's giving me. Ron Burgundy, the mustache, but like sort of Robert Downey Jr., but it's that. This is Harry Reams, by the way. So he tells her to bring her head down close to him. And then he covers her face with his hand. And there's this warbly-like sound. 
which apparently is the sound of her inhibitions being taken away. It's like, that's what it sounds like when your inhibitions leave. It's like, anyway, so now, you know, she does that thing where, you know, she goes from like having like a really concerned face to like, oh my, like that kind of face, you know, like she's super excited. So now he gestures for her to remove her robe, which she does. And she's got on like a white corset, but it's like an under boob corset. And she's got on some white thigh high stockings. She says, not much to look at, is it? He says, no. Does it matter? Once again, no. He tells her that her body is practical. Guys will like it, you know? It's I mean, they like rounded, more plush bodies, but like hers will do, you know. Now, he makes her bend over in front of him and he puts like a little rubber finger in her asshole and he tells her to keep it there or she'll be punished. So let me just remind you, this is her first sexual encounter ever in life. And she now has a rubber finger in her asshole. Um, But any hoodle, um, he heads over to the bed and opens his robe very Hugh Hefner style. Um, He gestures to his um, phallus, you know, and asks what she calls it. A penis. What else? A prick. Yep. What else? A cock. Yes. Big, beautiful cock. Okay. So now sis is like excited, right? And she asks if she could touch it. And she asks if she could kiss it. And she's like rubbing it all over her face. And she says how smooth it is. It's not even like like hard yet. You know, it's still soft. And she's just rubbing it all over her face. And she said, now she says she's shocked at how big it's getting. Because it's getting big, you know. And um, so she's, you know, sucking it. Having a good old time while he's talking her through it. And she is having a whole monologue while she's sucking his penis. About how big and strong it feels in her hands. She going to town. Now, quick detail that I noticed. When she died, her nails were unpainted. Because I noticed I didn't like the way that her toes and her hands looked. But So her nails, she didn't have no nail polish on. Now her nails are red. Now, this was the 70s. So, of course, she didn't have any extensions. But I have heard how nice it looks having a manicure set of nails around a penis. So that makes sense that, like, now she has, like, very nice red nails. Um, so after a while, she says she wants to know what it feels she goes i want to know what it feels like in my cunt would you put it in my cunt (laughs) okay okay so she positions herself on top of him reverse cowgirl which is a wild position for you to start in for your first one but get it i guess girl you already got the little thingy booty oh and now you're doing reverse cowgirl she asked him if it's gonna hurt and he like yeah so she's scared. She's like, oh my God, I'm so scared. I feel like it's going to break me apart. But he like, just concentrate on the good feels, not the bad ones. You're going to be fine. So she goes down on it and she's like, howls. Like she's like, oh, like it hurts for like two seconds. But then she's like, oh yeah, that's that, that's that good. That's that good feel. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't stress. She talks so fucking much. She talks so much. But then she's like, she's like, oh, yeah, it's so good. And then she tells him to take the rubber thing out of her butthole, her booty hole, and she want him to finger her in her booty hole. So now she getting fingered in her booty hole while he is 
while she's doing it. So then she's like, oh, well, can you just put it in my booty hole? Like his, his penis, can you put it in my booty hole? So she does it and she's like, oh, 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 go slow. Ooh, uh, uh, uh. So they go slow at first, but then he just start giving it to a whoppinger for dear life. Just wow, goes in. And she is living. This is it. This is, she's so excited because she's having a great time. But then it switches to the next scene. She's laying down. And this other girl with the similar white nightgown comes in and starts to like oil her up. Now, this is the woman who is her lover, who was also um, working craft services, Um, (laughs) who they just kind of dropped in this movie. The music is just like lots of violin music and girl on girl oiling. It feels like watching um, like Cinemax porn or if you, I don't know if y'all remember Emmanuel. It was like this porn series, but it was like soft porn about this like person who could like go into other people's heads and have sex with people. Like it's that kind of vibe. It gives me that. So she's massaging her she's got a little shiny hiney cool so of course like the oil they naked of course it turns lesbian real quick and this massage girl start to rolling around with her and kissing her and to the soap opera ass music and it's no cheesy porn music it's like it's like cheesy but it's like romantic almost but it's not bouncing you know um it's lots of like kissing they rolling around lots of real slow shots not like the wide frame shots of today where you can just see everything happening and it's like everything is everywhere it's very it feels artsy like something you'd see almost like something you see in an independent film today and listen justine is living i mean obviously um not living because she is kind of like dead she's not living but as far as like living her best life could go this is like really close so after she has her orgasm um and she's she has one you know she's had a couple now so she ends up after that she's in this like dirty ass looking tub um maybe it was just like the 70s but the room looked gross beans the tub looked gross beans I don't know I don't get it because every other place she's been like I mean like the room with the teacher is kind of nice the place she was in with the lesbian I mean it kind of looked like a dungeon but it also just kind of looked like the bottom of a castle and now she's in this weird dirty tub um but she's in the tub with the hose um having a little self-love moment and it's like a little small hose like a tiny hose um like the size of like a boba straw um but she's hosing herself and there's water just continuously flowing out not like a fast stream a slow stream of water but she's you know hosing herself everywhere she's hosing her her crotch she's putting the hose in her mouth she even put the hose in her booty hole um she has literally gone from being a sad prude to the horniest woman that you have ever seen in your life. Like, they're playing music so you can't hear her having her moment, but she looks like she is, like, in agony, but in a good way. Like, her sexy doesn't look, it looks almost, like, painful. Like, she doesn't look like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I'm so hot. Like, she looked like, ah! <laughs> like, 
Also, like, whenever I see women smiling during porn, though, like, I know they're performing and it takes me out of the whole thing because real sex does kind of look like dying. Um, Just a quick pointer, like, if she doesn't look like she's dying, but also looking forward to more dying, you're not doing it right. She should look like she's about to die, but, like, really excited about it. And, like, oh, like, also, like, I'm happy to die and, like, can you please kill me again? Like, that's what it should look like when you're doing it right. Just FYI. Anyway, after this weird tub scene, back in the room with the teacher, she is given a good old beach and she's all about it. She could do this beach all day. He finishes and she's like, yeah, it's on my neck and my chest and my stomach and in my eye. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Girl, get that out your eye. No. Girl, do not go blind over no dick. Anyway, so now she's in a room with some fruit. Apples, grapes, bananas. So first, old girl, she's, you know, eating the grapes, having a good time. Then she takes, she just pops a few grapes into herself, like three, just boop, boop, boop. Just pops them in there, one after the other. Then pops them back out and eats them. Okay. Okay. Cool. Then the banana. You knew that was coming. And she like, she keeps the 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 peel on it. And she does a little thing with the banana. And then she takes the peel off. And then she tries to do it with the peel off. But clearly that's not going to work because that's not how bananas work. So then she just keep taking the banana and putting it down there and then like eating it. And then putting it down there again and eating it. It's like, girl, like, like she acting like it's like dip down there. Like dip, but she's dip, girl. Okay. And then, of course, she straight deep throats the banana. It's wild. Anyway. Now, after this banana, she having a moment in the bed with a snake. I don't even know where the snake came from. She doesn't, like, do anything overtly sexual with the snake, thank goodness. But she, like, licks her tongue out at the snake a lot. And she puts the head of the snake in her mouth a few times. And it's, like, a live snake. And she just, like, oh, and then, like, takes it out, like, real quick. Like, real quick. It's a, it's, it's, it's odd. Um, so she, but she's having a moment with her little snake. Um, but after that, she meets with, um, Abaca again and asks if he can, uh, if she asks if he can, she could just stay and live the rest of her life that she would have lived if she hadn't killed herself. She's like, can I just go back and just live and do my thing? And then I could just die like regular. And he like, no, <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> no. You can do what we said you was going to do, which is you can have sex as long as you want, but then you got to go. Okay. So now she's having a threesome with this guy and this girl, and it is just going swell. One common theme that I see in vintage porn is, like I said, they talk a lot, and the guys don't talk that much. The girls, they be talking, I guess, you know, we talk a lot now, but it sounds different. Maybe it's like the background music. That might be what it is. Um, and also, like, I know when we talk, it's a lot of, like, moaning. Like, when in porn, you'll hear girls talking, but they're moaning at the same time. In porn films, these girls are just literally saying, 
Oh my goodness, this feels so amazing. Oh my gosh, put it inside me. Yes, please. Oh, please finish in my mouth. Oh, like it doesn't sound like they're saying it in a, I'm enjoying this and I'm having sex and I'm feeling it kind of way. It sounds like, oh, like it's a script, (laughs) which I think is why it sounds so strange, all the words, because you don't hear much moaning or like the sounds that you'd hear in porn. You just don't hear much of that. You just see a lot of facial expressions and a lot of irking and jerking around. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's why it's a little different. The, the, there's just a lot less moaning. Anyway, Justine um, really likes the taste of um, semen and she will not shut up about it. Like, all the time um after she's having sex with him, the man and she's like no like i want to taste the semen and so then the guy like ejaculates into the other girl's mouth and then she's like give me some of that and so that happens it's it's, it's like i didn't know that porn in the 70s was doing all this but it was doing all this and um so there she's they're licking it off a lot of things afterwards um after that very quickly we jump to justine having a threesome with two guys and one of them is underneath her one of them is on top of her and of course she has one in each end just great having a good time she is talking so much as always asking she's like can you feel each other's penises rubbing against each other like can you feel his penis can you feel his penis she's like <laughs> literally that's what she's doing she's having a whole dialogue about how great it is then first she wants them to be gentle then she wants them to go faster than harder then she wants them to stop because she doesn't want to finish yet um so sis has definitely gotten comfortable in herself she's calling the shots and she is loving it Finally, she has her finish. Yay! But unfortunately, her time is up now. And Abaka asks her if she's ready. Well, of course she's not. She's scared of the fiery pits of hell. But Abaka says that's all just a myth. Hell is not hot. She will be quite comfortable. So she takes the last drag of her cigarette and he tells her to touch his hand. And she is reluctant to do it. But of course, it's time. And she does. And she is transported to a single room with a man. And she asks if she's here. And he says, well, that's a silly question. Of course you're here. She may have expected witches and rats, but this is it. This room. And the man says, there's a fly there. But it only comes out if you close your eyes and pretend you're asleep. And he's been trying to catch this fly for a long time. He says he knows a speck of dust that was pointy that landed on his hand. It had to have been arranged that way by a fly. So he's just been looking for this fly. And that's a silly way to pass the time, right? Now, he's a man and and she's a woman. And they're stuck in this cell together. So obviously they should do something to past the time. But here, we find ourselves back at the beginning of the film. This room with this man who doesn't care about anything but this fly and wants her to be quiet so he can hear this fly 
this is her hell. She can't have an orgasm by herself. She can't have an orgasm by masturbating. And this man won't even touch her. This man won't move from the floor. She is frantic. And she's had all this sex, right? And good sex, too. And now, just this man waiting to hit his fly. And the movie ends with her masturbating and crying out, help me, help me, while he just looks away. It is it is actually like really sad and kind of creepy. So the obvious lesson here is that she is in a hell of her own making. Now, I'm a spiritual person, um, not so religious, but I do believe in God. I do believe in some form of afterlife. So, but I'm I'm not exactly keen on the idea that someone could be perfectly good in their life, not do anything wrong, but still be subjected to eternal damnation because you chose to end your life. Like, okay, obviously we don't want anyone doing that, but life is hard. And for a person to do good things all their life, obviously be so depressed, so sad, so longing, so without that they feel that life isn't even worth living, even though they've done everything right in their life. I mean, not even have sex. I mean, come on, like, come on, just let her in, dude. But I mean, it's interesting that not having had sex, not having done all these great things and like, or not great things, but just having lived a good life free of any kind of like sin or perversion, I suppose. It's interesting that her first inclination upon finding out that she can't go to heaven is not to like bargain, not to try to talk to someone else, but to wish that she could have had more sex. Like she hasn't ever had sex at all. She has no concept of what sex is like. She has no concept of the fact that in most cases, women, it, it, you're not guaranteed an orgasm. You know, we've talked about this before. Having sex with a man does not guarantee you an orgasm. So for her to decide, like, I would like to um, find my way into hell by way of sex. It's really interesting that she has never had sex ever and then wishes she could have more and immediately um goes into you know i mean the the heaviest forms of sex like anal you know like that is listen i know i know that some people have done anal when they lost their virginity i'm not saying anything specific here but I know that that has happened to people before I know it's possible and I know that when you're in the throes of passion or if you're feeling real lusty you'll kind of just do anything because anything feels good at the moment um but that's that I mean like that literally that was the first thing that she got was the little butt plug and then after that she was completely 100% sold on it. she barely had sex for you know a couple minutes before she was like I would like to try anal now please that is very um extreme I know this is a pornographic film so I mean that's obviously on purpose but it is very interesting that that was her choice um 
I, I mean, her story does seem unbelievable and kind of contrived at first viewing simply some weird porn writing. This woman goes from not even wanting to touch her own breasts in the mirror to, you know, anal. Now, of course, the teacher supposedly takes her inhibitions away. So, okay, fine, we can use that. But she went from one extreme to the other so fast. Like, I wonder whether there was something hiding in her subconscious or whether merely removing those inhibitions make her this way. Because like, listen, like if you can't tell at this point, duh, I like sex a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like all my life, I have been told that all men want to do is have sex, but I have no idea where these men who all they want to do is have sex are because I require a lot and I can't seem to find them. So I can kind of relate to this in a weird, scary way. And I don't like how much I relate to this film. But like, if you ask anyone who's known me my whole life, they'll tell you I've been like this. I did not start having sex until I was 18. But even before that, the internet gave me porn. And so I have had that and I have was porn taught. So I have known what was up for a long time time. This switch up was crazy. But Justine's story is kind of sad because it appears she didn't have any of that like frantic horniness before. So when we see what her hell ends up being, it leaves us to wonder what her hell would have been like if she had if she hadn't chosen the route that she chose, if she hadn't chosen to live out her final days in um, a purgatory of ecstasy, if you will. She certainly wouldn't have had to worry about not being able to have had an orgasm as she didn't seem to have reference to what that was like before. And I mean, like the complex confusion of being so horny that she cries. <clears throat> like we often equate sexual frustration with anger. But I suppose if you knew that you'd never be gratified like for all eternity forever times you are never going to have an orgasm ever again i guess there's no place to be angry you 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 just go straight to grief it's just sad now this film and many films from the golden age tried to focus on having a clear plot similar to mainstream films so that they could be seen as legitimate films this was mainly because of the Supreme Court's decision in Miller v. California in 1973. This decision redefined obscenity from being utterly without socially redeeming value to saying that pornography was something that lacks or obscenity was something that lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. So these filmmakers tried to make sure their films fit the uh, serious artistic value part of those rules. Um, crucially, it made uh, contemporary community standards the criterion. Um, they basically said that obscenity was not protected by the First Amendment. So the ruling ended up giving leeway to local judges to seize and destroy prints um, of films agitated to violate local community standards. So every local judge could decide we don't personally want these films, even though they were able to be distributed. Our locality doesn't want them. We think it's obscene and we can prosecute. 
um, The Devil and Mrs. Jones, as well as Deep Throat and um, Gerard's uh, other film, Behind the Green Door, was prosecuted successfully during the latter half of 1973, even though these are considered three of the highest performing porn films of all time. Now, I'm going to say... They wanted to make sure that their porn had a clear plot in order to fit the standards that would allow them to continue to make films. So I'm going to be appearing on a podcast soon, and I will let you know when that drops. It's going to be the Porn Stash podcast. I think I've played um, an ad for you guys before, and I've talked about them many times. So when I'm on that podcast, I will definitely let you know. But we had a conversation about porn. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the podcast or not. Um, because we talked for hours, but (laughs) I mentioned to them that I am a plot person. I need a reason for the sex to be happening. The scenes like the, where someone is just like standing there and then some guy comes in or, um, and then they just like oil each other up or like rub each other. And then they start having sex. Hate it. Like, why? Why are you doing this? For that same reason, I hate porn when anyone looks directly at the camera. Like, ew, I am not here. I am not in the room. Do not perceive me. Do not look at me. I don't even want you to know that I'm doing this. I'm not here. What? So I'm a big fan of porn from vintage porn in general because you can honestly find R-rated versions of a lot of these simply because they have real plots. I mean, like, they made a musical out of 1978's Debbie Does Dallas, and you can find an R-rated version of that film that takes the sex out. It was fun content to watch, but fun content with boobies and penises, which kind of makes it even more fun. Now, unfortunately, the Supreme Court's Miller decision closed much of America to the exhibition of adult erotic films. So these films weren't able to be shown as openly at big theaters as they were before, and it often led to these films being banned outright. Uh, This is also the reason that film stars started taking pseudonyms as using their real names could have destroyed any future career opportunities that they had outside of the porn industry. Even if they wanted to get a job as a lawyer or if they want to get a job working in an office, you don't want that name to be associated with what you do because obviously then it becomes associated with what you do. So... There also wasn't any access to modern day drugs like Viagra or Cialis. So the list of porn stars and particularly male porn stars who could get and stay active throughout a whole film was not that high. Also, the cameras, they weren't small. They weren't handheld cameras. They were huge film cameras and not mobile. So a short shoot could take hours um, having to move the camera around for different shots and having to stay ready, like ready for all of that is hard work. So honestly, sometimes the acting was not that great because they needed people who would be effective at the part that they needed to be effective. Uh, if you've got to pick between one or the other, um, acting or making sure it stays up, I think we know what's more important in this specific scenario, you know. And after the crackdown, 
porn films wouldn't feature as prominently in mainstream movie business as they did in the golden age ever again. Um, in the 80s, home video kind of reprivatized the porn experience, going from box office distribution to being a, a VCRs in your den. And then traveled into home offices and bedrooms with the emergence of the internet in the 1990s. However, the way porn filmed changed too. Like, okay, I'll be honest with you, right? The devil in Mrs. Jones does not make me horny. Like, I've watched porn stuff that friends have sent me to humor me, like porn stuff that's like funny sometimes or porn that, you know, is interesting. And, you know, I'm like, huh, but also like, okay, I need five minutes, please. Thank you so much for sending me this. I need a, a moment alone. Um, this, I have watched The Devil and Mrs. Jones um, a couple of times. And as interesting as it is in the film, I'm not turned on by Justine. I'm not turned on by any of this scenario. She talks too much I, I know I said it so much and I'm not trying to you know rag on her but it it just it takes me out of it she talks so much talking is common in porn at the time but this was excessive and the grapes the fruit in general I did not like it her faces the close-ups I it's not it's not what I would consider se sexy, but it was still so effective and told such an interesting story, which is why I think this is one of the better, more well-received pornographic films of the time. The plot was driven by the sex, but the plot couldn't have existed without the sex. And this is pornography in one of its purest definitions. People having completely unsimulated sex on screen for an extended period of time. Now, I've wanted to write porn scripts for a long time, since my teen years, really. I'm still not sure logistically how you'd make a porn film without either money or access to people who want to have sex for free on camera. Like, I don't know necessarily how porn is made unless you have those one of those two things. Like, I have money and I can hire people or I just know people who want to have sex on camera for free. Um, how else do you make porn? But I know that acting isn't necessarily the highlight of these films either, as we've spoken about before. Now, there are so many ways to keep a guy active um, or in keep a girl lubed up, you know, that I think it's, I think it's completely possible to find porn actors who are actually good actors who could perform, um, to the level of making an interesting film. Um, I just really need a motivation for why people are having sex for me to get into it. I honestly think that that's why so many people today like um, the genre of like, quote unquote, step porn, stepsister, stepdad, stepmom, like that kind of, yeah, I know it's very taboo, okay? But like, that's also like the story. Like there's people in a house together. They're always in the house together. They're not really related, but they're always in the house together. And hijinks ensue. Great. Um, the same with like stuck, uh, porn, when somebody gets stuck in a dryer, stuck under a table, stuck under a bed. Um, it is a very loose, 
um, plot, but that's the plot. Somebody got stuck somewhere. Oh, this person is stuck and I can see their parts. Let me get up in that. That's the plot. Okay. Um, you know, same with like school teacher, schoolgirl kind of, it's usually something about grades, being late to class, you know, needing extra credit, but there's a premise, right? But there's so much porn and especially, I'm not, especially black porn, like black, it's just a girl in a room and a guy comes in, maybe they talk, maybe they don't, the conversation don't even be that great and they just, like, the girl just, like, giggles a lot and shakes her ass and then the dude says, like, yeah, girl, and then pound town, why did this, why, why did this happen, how did we get here, whose house is this, who brought the oil? Like who, why, why does this house seem very nice, but also very empty? And there was no towels, but, but there was a, a, um, body wash for her to take a bath. What, what is this about? But she's got to walk around now. Now there's water all over the floors because you didn't give this girl a towel. Now she's walking around wet in the house. Now I'm bothered because I'm thinking about the mold and mildew that's going to be in the carpet because I don't have a story. <sighs> I end up having too many questions and it takes me out of the whole thing. I'll even take a repairman. I'll take a pizza guy. Just give me a reason, like anything. Like how often can you really say that you have sat through a pornographic film with real unsimulated sex where you were actually engaged by the plot? I think there was one film that I saw one time on like Showtime or Cinemax and I can't remember what it was called, but it was something about an art museum and somebody was stealing some art. I can't even remember what the plot really was because it was so long. I was like young. I was in high school or something when I saw it, but I remember sitting and watching this whole movie and being like, dang, this movie was good. I didn't even think to like put my hand in my pants not one time because it was actually a good plot. That's what I need. Good plots listen i this is hentai cartoon porn i don't know if you're familiar but like as far as plots go it does it really well but of course that is a conversation for a different podcast on a different day but if you are wondering why hentai can be very engaging it is because it has a plot it is much like watching like a regular TV show or watching a regular movie, except for they insert sex scenes. It's it can be very interesting. Um, also, um, I mentioned during the lesbian scene that these scenes are shot a lot like independent films, nothing like the super explicit scenes that we have today. Um, our internet porn especially seems to be focused on showing as much as possible for as long as possible. Now, of course, now these are feature films, so the scenes can't be that long because they have to drive the plot. But truly, none of the scenes in this film are longer than maybe five to seven minutes. A single scene today can be anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, maybe longer, depending on the type of scene, how many people are in it, and what the general quote-unquote motivation for the scene is. The focus isn't really like the sex or like what, how these people are feeling. The focus is doing as many positions and points of view as possible to make sure that the viewer gets what they need and they can get as many snippets out of these 
as possible to put on different websites. Um, I think it's also interesting that like even when the her and the teacher are talking when they first meet, he openly tells her like that her body isn't necessarily what he would want, but like he tells her like she'll do, which is like sort of affirming the idea that she's not necessarily here to be eye candy for us the way that we would look at women in porn today. You know, a lot of the women have uh, BBLs, they have breast implants, um, they've gotten work done on their bodies to make sure that their bodies stay in a certain condition, or that's also why you know they hire a lot of younger girls 18 19 20 because their bodies are still young and un um untainted by childbirth untainted by um stretch marks untainted by uh little dimples um but we can see in this time period in these videos she's got they've got all the parts she does all the things and she does the things very well. She gives a great blowjob. I'm not, you know, but she's not here for us to simply ogle at and go home and go, oh yeah, this girl's got a hot body. She's here to tell a story through her body and her sexuality. The director is here to tell a story through her body and through her sexuality. This is the embodiment of women's liberation and embraced sexuality. Women were just happy to be out, you know, out of their bras, out of the corsets, out of the super oppressive thumb of the patriarchy to a, you know, slightly less oppressive thumb, still patriarchy, but like not that bad. But, you know, hey, don't forget, this film tells you don't get too liberated, girl because it is a sin and you will go to hell, the worst kind of hell, where you can't come. Ooh, scary. I have news for you, friends. There are some women who live this hell their whole lives, unfortunately. And um, it's real sad um, to think that there are some people who go out there to have sex and meet people and fall in love and will even get married to a man who has never ever made them come but that's hell i suppose for a woman like justine and also me <laughs> well um you know usually i'll tell you guys where to view this film now first of all i did want to mention that there is also a film that came out in the 40s called the devil and mrs jones this is the devil and mrs jones um a slight parody but the devil and mrs jones came out in the 1940s so if you go looking for this film you might find that one first and be a little confused because it looks so tame it is very tame and very sweet a good film we might actually cover it one day but um, if for some reason you wanted to go find this film to view it, you will have to go to a porn site or a porn film uh, place in order to view. You're not going to be able to find it on Amazon or HBO or anything like that, unfortunately, because it is a little bit too explicit. It is pornography. But I will say, if you type in The Devil and Mrs. Jones, Triple X, and go and look up videos, you will find the whole film. It is only about an hour and six minutes, so if you find a version of it that is a short film, um, that is the whole film, I promise you. Um, it, you're not getting an abridged version or some like weird cut-up version. Um, but... Um, 
I, I, you don't have to go see it if you don't want to. That's why I'm here to tell you about these films, to tell you about this stuff if it's not really up your alley. But if you would like to go find it, it is out there for you. Um, anyway, that is all the time that we have for today. Next week, um, hopefully this wasn't that bad. I think it was, I did okay for talking about a, you know, a, an adult film. I think we still had fun. I hope you had fun. I hope you had fun. Um, if you have fun, let me know. You Please email me. You know my email. Um, here's looking podcast at gmail.com. H-E-R-E-S-L-O-O-K-I-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can also message me on uh, Twitter at film underscore Nikki or um, on Instagram at H-L-A-Y-F-P-O-D. That's Halaif Pod's Instagram. Um, message me there. Uh, let me know if you thought this was a fun episode. This is a cool episode. I'm happy to do some other stuff like this. Um, but, you know, as of, of course, next week, we are going to be back to our regular vintage film program. And we'll be watching a film all about women and their men, and particularly one woman that is dealing with the before and after effects of aging. Um, I'm sure we can all relate. Um, it's one of my favorite movies with one of my favorite stars. And um, I did also want to just throw out there that I will be on two podcasts in the near future um, that'll be coming out. It'll be the cult-worthy classic with Antonio Palacios. I did an episode with him um, a couple weeks back about the bad seed. And now we're doing another episode about whatever happened to baby Jane. It was so fun. So um, as soon as that episode is out, I will let you guys know and, you know, send out some links and tweets and things. And also the Porn Stash podcast, I will be on there as well, too, with my favorite boys. Um, and uh, y'all know those are my, that's my step pod. Um, so we had a bunch of really great conversations. I think we were on uh, online talking for about three hours, but, you know, of course they're going to cut it down. But I will let you know when both of those episodes come out. Um, I will let you go. I thought this was going to be a shorter episode, but as you can see, it is not. But I do thank you very much for tuning in and turning on. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Cheers. <laughs>